Chapter Seven of France and England in North America, Part Three, La Salle, Discovery of the Great West. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lawrence Trask, Mount Vernon, Ohio, InterfaceAudio.com. La Salle, Discovery of the Great West by francis parkman jr chapter seven sixteen seventy eight party strife la salle and his reporter jesuit ascendancy the missions and the fur trade female inquisitors plots against la salle his brother the priest intrigues of the jesuits la salle poisoned he exculpates the jesuits renewed intrigues one of the most curious monuments of la salle's time is a long memoir written by a person who made his acquaintance at paris in the summer of sixteen seventy eight when as we shall soon see he had returned to france in prosecution of his plans the writer knew the sulpician galinet who as he says had a very high opinion of la salle and he was also in close relations with the discoverer's patron the prince de conti he says that he had ten or twelve interviews with la salle and becoming interested in him and in that which he communicated he wrote down the substance of his conversation the paper is divided into parts the first called memoir sur mr de la salle is devoted to the state of affairs in canada and chiefly to the jesuits the second entitled histoire de mr de la salle is an account of the discoverer's life or as much of it as the writer had learned from him both parts bear throughout the internal evidence of being what they profess to be but they embody the statements of a man of intense partisan feeling transmitted through the mind of another person in sympathy with him and evidently sharing his prepossessions in one respect however the paper is of unquestionable historical value for it gives us a vivid and not an exaggerated picture of the bitter strife of parties which then raged in canada and which was destined to tax to the utmost the vast energy and fortitude of la salle at times the memoir is fully sustained by contemporary evidence but often again it rests on its own unsupported authority i give an abstract of its statements as i find them the following is the writer's account of la salle all those among my friends who have seen him find him a man of great intelligence and sense he rarely speaks of any subject except when questioned about it and his words are very few and very precise he distinguishes perfectly between that which he knows with certainly and that which he knows with some mingling of doubt when he does not know he does not hesitate to avow it and though i have heard him say the same thing more than five or six times when persons were present who had not heard it before he always said it in the same manner in short i never heard anybody speak whose words carried with them more marks of truth after mentioning that he is thirty-three or thirty-four years old and that he has been twelve years in america the memoir declares that he made the following statements that the jesuits are masters at quebec that the bishop is their creature and does nothing but in concert with them 
that he is not well inclined towards the Recollets, who have little credit, but who are protected by Frontenac, that in Canada the Jesuits think everybody an enemy to religion who is an enemy to them, that though they refused absolution to all who sold brandy to the Indians, they sold it themselves, and that he, La Salle, had detected them in it, that the bishop laughs at the orders of the king when they do not agree with the wishes of the Jesuits, that the Jesuits dismissed one of their servants named Robert because he told of their trade in brandy, that Albanel, in particular, carried on a great fur trade, and that the Jesuits have built their college in part from the profits of this kind of traffic, that they admitted that they carried on a trade, but denied they gained so much by it as was commonly supposed. The memoir proceeds to affirm that they trade largely with the Sioux at St. Marie, and with other tribes at Michilimackinac, and that they are masters of the trade of that region, where their forts are in their possession. An Indian said, in full council, at Quebec, that he had prayed and been a Christian as long as the Jesuits would stay and teach him, but since no more beaver were left in this country, the missionaries were gone also. The Jesuits, pursues the memoir, will have no priests but themselves in their missions, and call them all Jansenists, not excepting the priests at St. Sulpice. The bishop is next accused, and even by trade, in which it is affirmed he has a covert interest. It is added that there exists in Quebec, under the auspices of the Jesuits, an association called the Saint Famille, which Madame Bourdon is superior. They meet in the cathedral every Thursday, with closed doors, where they relate to each other, as they are bound by a vow to do, all they have learned, whether good or evil, concerning other people, during the week. It is a sort of female inquisition, for the benefit of the Jesuits, the secrets of whose friends, it is said, are kept, while no such discretion is observed with regard to persons not of their party. Here follow a series of statements which it is needless to repeat, as they do not concern La Salle. They relate to abuse of the confessional, hostility to other priests, hostility to civil authorities, and over-hasty baptisms, in regard to which La Salle is reported to have made a comparison, unfavorable to the Jesuits, between them and the Recollets and the Sulpicians. We now come to the second part of the memoir, called History of Monsieur de La Salle. After stating that he left France at the age of twenty-one or twenty-two, with the purpose of attempting some new discovery, it makes the statements repeated in a former chapter concerning his discovery of the Ohio, the Illinois, and possibly the Mississippi. It then mentions the building of Fort Frontenac, and says that one object of it was to prevent the Jesuits from becoming undisputed masters of the fur trade. Three years ago, it pursues, La Salle came to France, and obtained a grant of the fort, and it proceeds to give examples of the means used by the party opposed to him to injure his good name, and bring him within reach of the law. Once, when he was at Quebec, the farmer of the king's revenue, one of the richest men in the place, was extremely urgent in his proffers of hospitality, and at length, though he knew La Salle but slightly, persuaded him to lodge in his house. He had been there but a few days, when his host's wife began to enact the part of the wife of Potiphar, and this with so much vivacity that on one occasion La Salle was forced to take an abrupt leave, in order to avoid an infringement of the laws of hospitality. 
as he opened the door he found the husband on the watch and saw that it was a plot to entrap him another attack of a different character though in the same direction was soon after made the remittances which la salle received from the various members and connections of his family were sent through the hands of his brother abbe cavalier from whom his enemies were therefore very eager to alienate him to this end a report was made to reach the priest's ears that la salle had seduced a young woman with whom he was living in an open and scandalous manner at fort frontenac the effect of this device exceeded the wishes of its contrivers for the priest aghast at what he had heard set out for the fort to administer his fraternal rebuke but on arriving in the place of the expected abomination found his brother assisted by two recollet friars ruling with edifying propriety over a most exemplary household thus far the memoir from the passages in some of la salle's letters it may be gathered that abbe cavalier gave him at times no little annoyance in his double character of priest and elder brother he seems to have constituted himself the counsellor monitor and guide of a man who through many years his junior was in all respects incomparably superior to him as the sequel will show this must have been almost insufferable to a nature like that of la salle who nevertheless was forced to arm himself with patience since his brother held the purse-strings on one occasion his forbearance was put to a severe proof when wishing to marry a damsel of good connections in the colony abbe cavalier saw fit for some reason to interfere and prevented the alliance to resume the memoir it declares that the jesuits procured an ordinance from the supreme council prohibiting traders from going into the indian country in order that they the jesuits being already established there in their missions might carry on trade without competition but la salle induced a good number of the iroquois to settle around his fort thus bringing the trade to his own door without breaking the ordinance these iroquois he is further reported to have said were very fond of him and aided him in rebuilding the fort with cut stone the jesuits told the iroquois on the south side of the lake where they were established as missionaries that la salle was strengthening his defences with the view of making war on them they and the intendant who was their creature endeavoured to embroil the iroquois with the french in order to ruin la salle writing to him at the same time that he was the bulwark of the country and that he ought to be always on his guard they also tried to persuade frontenac that it was necessary to raise men and prepare for war la salle suspected them and seeing that the iroquois in consequences of their intrigues were in an excited state he induced the governor to come to fort frontenac to pacify them he accordingly did so and a council was held which ended in a complete restoration of confidence on the part of the iroquois at this council they accused the two jesuits bryas and piron of spreading reports that the french were preparing to attack them la salle thought that the object of the intrigue was to make the iroquois jealous of him and engage frontenac in expenses which would offend the king after la salle and the governor had lost credit by the rupture the jesuits would come forward as pacificators in the full assurance that they could restore quiet and appear in the attitude of saviors of the colony 
LaSalle, pursues his reporter, went on to say that about this time a quantity of hemlock and verdigris was given him in a salad, and that the guilty person was a man in his employ, named Nicholas Perrault, otherwise called Jolly Sure, who confessed the crime. The memoir adds that LaSalle, who recovered from the effects of the poison, wholly exculpates the Jesuits. This attempt, which was not, as we shall see, the only one of the kind made against LaSalle, is alluded to by him in a letter to a friend at Paris, written in Canada, when he was on the point of departure on his great expedition to descend the Mississippi. The following is an extract from it. I hope to give myself the honor of sending you a more particular account of this enterprise, when it shall have had the success which I hope for it. But I have need of a strong protection for its support. It traverses the commercial operations of certain persons, who will find it hard to endure it. They intended to make a new Paraguay in these parts, and the route which I close against them gave them facilities for an advantageous correspondence with Mexico. This check will infallibly be a mortification to them, and you know how they deal with whatever opposes them. Nevertheless, I am bound to render them the justice to say that the poison which was given me was not at all of their instigation. The person who was conscious of the guilt, believing that I was their enemy because he saw that our sentiments were opposed, thought to exculpate himself by accusing them and I confess that at the time I was not sorry to have this indication of their ill-will, but having afterwards carefully examined the affair, I clearly discovered the falsity of the accusation which this rascal had made against them. I nevertheless pardoned him, in order not to give notoriety to the affair, as the mere suspicion might sully their reputation, to which I should scrupulously avoid doing the slightest injury unless I thought it was necessary to the good of the public, and unless the fact were fully proved. Therefore, Monsieur, if anybody shared the suspicion which I felt, oblige me by undeceiving him. This letter, so honorable to La Salle, explains the statement made in the memoir that notwithstanding his grounds of complaint against the Jesuits, he continued to live on terms of courtesy with them entertained them at his fort, and occasionally corresponded with them. The writer asserts, however, that they intrigued with his men to induce them to desert, employing for this purpose a young man named Deslarier, whom they sent to him with letters of recommendation. La Salle took him into his service, but he soon after escaped with several other men, and took refuge in the Jesuit missions. The object of the intrigue is said to have been the reduction of La Salle's garrison to a number less than that which he was bound to maintain, thus exposing him to a forfeiture of his title of possession. He is also stated to have declared that Louis Joliet was an impostor and a donné of the Jesuits, that is, a man who worked for them without pay, and further that when he, La Salle, came to court to ask for privileges enabling him to pursue his discoveries, the Jesuits represented in advance to the minister Colbert that his head was turned and that he was fit for nothing but a madhouse. It was only by the aid of influential friends that he was at length enabled to gain an audience. Here ends this remarkable memoir, which, criticize it as we may, does not exaggerate the jealousies and enmities that beset the path of the discoverer. End of chapter 7 Recording by Lawrence Trask, Mount Vernon, Ohio, 
interfaceaudio.com.